And I've been in a series, that's the theme for the year, but the series is Change Your Season. And we talked last Sunday about how to change your season by trusting God. And I went to a place in the Bible that I've never heard anybody teach about, and that was in the Old Testament, there was the the law of the seventh year. They actually had a Hebrew name for it. It's called the Smita law. And every seventh year, you reap the harvest at the end of the sixth year, but going into the seventh year, you had to trust God and he would, that he would bring forth in the seventh year and that he would stretch what you had throughout the seventh year all the way into the eighth year to the harvest of the eighth year. In other words, every you know seven years, God recalibrated your faith. And he said, you got to trust me. And uh, so I preached about that last week. And you change your season by trusting God. We trust everything but. (laughs) And I want to talk to you about something else that will change your season. And I'm looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8 through 10. Concerning this thing, Paul is writing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities. What do we do with ours? We cover them up. That the power of Christ, Paul said, may rest upon me when I acknowledge these infirmities that I have. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions. So if somebody calls out an area of weakness, I don't get offended. Say, thank you, because you just helped me experience something. You helped me experience a growth process that would not have been initiated had I not been made aware of this area of weakness in me. So he said, again, therefore I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and needs and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. That's a paradox. It's an enigma. It seems like it's an oxymoron. You can't be weak and strong at the same time. But Hebrews 11 Verse 32 explains this more fully. And what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, also of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms. That's what I was talking about last week. Trust will change your season. Israel had to trust God. And if you haven't learned to trust God and be obedient to his, his word, The reason you don't come into obedience with his word is many times there is a failure to trust. And you won't experience the next dimension of God's fullness. So rather that's in serving, giving, whatever it might be, trusting God for your forgiveness, grace for you to grow. Through faith is when you subdue kingdoms. And through faith, they worked righteousness. 
and obtain promises and stop the mouths of lions, quench the violence of fire, escape the edge of the sword. And then this incredible passage out of weakness were made strong. Became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Father, would you speak a revelatory, insightful word to us, a word that is relevant to where we live and help us in Jesus' name. And everybody shouted and said, Amen. Amen. Today I want to talk to you about another way, as I've already stated, that you can change your season, and that is by turning weakness into strength. Turn weakness into strength. Dealing with weakness is part of living in an imperfect world. We all recognize that. And weakness is the quality or state of being weak in a particular area. To be weak is to be lacking strength. According to the dictionary, it means not able to exert strain or pressure, unable to withstand attack, limited in ability to function, lacking skill or proficiency, or ineffective. The word comes from the Middle English era. It's been around for centuries. And they believe it evolved from an old Norwegian word, which simply simply meant to yield or to give in. And so the idea is you push against something and it yields to the pressure rather than standing strong. Now, we know a little bit about that. We have just finished 30 days of prayer and fasting, right? How many of you found it's easy to yield when you're fasting that day and somebody says, let's go get a burger? Yeah. I mean, you can go all day without even getting hungry until the day you decide you're going to fast. Come on, get real with me now. And then all of a sudden, your next door neighbor starts cooking a gumbo and the odor drifts all the way from where they are down the street through your door, comes in uninvited. And your stomach begins to rumble. Amen. I wonder how many folk during this fast decided that you're going to be a vegetarian for the rest of your life. Anybody? No takers. Okay. I got it. Someone who is a hunter said the other day that if God had meant for us to be vegetarians, he would have made broccoli more fun to shoot at. (laughs) Yeah. We want to be stronger in a lot of areas, our diet and so forth, but we struggle. A process can work at one level, but when the demand or resistance increases, sometimes a process that worked at one level fails at another. That's because weakness exists in every aspect, dimension, sphere, and arena of life. They exist in every system, organization, person, church, relationship, sports team. Don't even want to go there, do I? And so forth. In industry, for example, some systems are stronger than others, and engineers calculate the strength of a system not based upon its strongest components, but upon the ability at peak at the peak level of demand for its weakest component to still function effectively. Not based upon the strongest. We see that in families at Christmas time. You don't walk through the mall at the speed with which dad would normally walk. You walk at the speed of the smallest child. You adjust to that. You don't build on a foundation if you build a building. You don't build five stories when it's only rated for one. 
Same thing with, it's true with bridges. They have to be rated for a particular load. And you'll see that on a lot of bridges on the, in the countryside. It's rated for a certain amount of weight. All human beings have areas of strength and weakness. I do. Each of us do. That's not shameful to admit. Paul said, I glory in the fact that I'm discovering mine. And out of weakness, we become made strong. As believers, our strengths become our gifts that bless Christ and his kingdom. They are like the gold, frankincense, and myrrh that were brought by the three magi to Bethlehem. Or like the parables and the talent of the master giving his servants parables before taking a journey. These are our gifts. It's what we turn around and give back to God that he first gave us. And we all have strengths, but we all have weaknesses that we have to deal with. And that is because we're tripart creation. We're body, soul, and spirit. Well, guess which one of those three is the weakest? Obviously, the body, the flesh. Some people say they can resist anything but temptation. And I get where they're coming from. Jesus said that the spirit is willing, but it's the flesh, one of these three components that's in me and you, that is weak. And the Bible teaches us that one of the things God does is he embraces, loves, cherishes us in our weakness. And that gives us permission then to begin to grow that weakness into an additional strength that we can offer as our gift to God. And your strength is different than mine and mine than yours. Just like one of the Magi brought gold and another brought frankincense and right on down the line, right? And so some people, for example, are better at math than they are science. I get it. Nothing wrong with that. There are some among us that are more fragile emotionally than others. Have you ever noticed that some people, the slightest thing is very disruptive to them? And on the other hand, look at Jesus. He's got 12 disciples in a boat that are panicking. Ah, don't you care? And he pulls out a pillow and he's asleep in the stern of the boat. Nothing shook him. And there's some people that are like that. They're stronger. There are certain individuals who are physically stronger. Anthony Clark was an amazing young man. And he and Steve Miller, a men's pastor, were friends. And, and I got to know Anthony real well. Worked in prison ministry. And he, when he was a teenager, was the world's strongest teenager. And he literally one time put a 6,000-pound elephant in a heavy-duty wheelbar and pushed it all around. Talk about relate to guys behind bars. He could. He bench pressed over 800 pounds. Think about that. But he had an area of weakness and that was his heart. And he died at the age of 38. And we lost him. After having been rear-ended in a number of accidents. And having to deal with the consequences of that. I've learned what my areas of physical weakness are. And I try to be careful how I lift things. There are others who are gifted organizationally. Uh, For others, organization is not their inherent skill or gift. They would have a hard time organizing a dumpster fire without help. You know what I'm talking about. 
but they're real good at other things. Maybe they're really good at people skills. And it's important that we understand that, that God loves people in spite of their weaknesses. Love Peter who denied Jesus three times. Chose Judas because he saw something good in Judas. But Judas never addressed the weakness in him like Peter addressed his weakness. The weakness within him. And so Judas was lost. His weakness undid him. Pastor John Osteen in this city many years ago used to say the trouble with spirit field folk is they keep trying to make flesh become spirit and it never will become spirit. It'll always be flesh. That's all it's ever going to be. And that is why you need the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to live the spirit field life. You can't live effectively without it. As a pastor, I realize there are areas I am weak in. And most people staff to their strength rather than to their weakness. You're supposed to staff to your weakness. Don't get everybody that looks just like you around you. It will hurt you. And oftentimes strengths even have a weakness that is built into them. I want you to think about that because that is so true. I mentioned people with great people skills, for example. They often lack organizational ability. You know why? They never had to develop it. They get by with a smile and and a warm hug and, and all of that. And it's not until later that their weakness in detail shows up. Some people say, does it really matter? Sure it does. You've heard it all your life. The devil is in the details. Absolutely dead wrong. Take one look around you at the world, at its intricate detail and perfection, its symmetry, its beauty, its delicateness. And you will see it's not the devil in the details. God's in the details, my friend. Can I hear somebody shout and just say amen? Amen. And that's absolutely true. And the church exists to help people. I need to establish this and to help them grow beyond their weakness and turn weakness into strength. And I'm going to just be real candid with you and tell you that oftentimes churches are anything but that. Anything but that. They will not help you with your weakness. And you've got to go underground with your stuff. Go on the, the down low. You know what I mean? Keep it hidden. And so people never grow beyond a certain level. One of the things I'm weak in, for example, is that I'm extremely focused on what I try to do. That really matters to me. I want excellence in the kingdom of God at every level. And I know what I'm good at and I know what I'm not good at. And I'm not going to pretend to be good at something I'm not good at. I'm just not. I don't have enough lifetimes to learn everything about everything in every field, in every area. So I want people around me that are good at what I'm not good at. And sometimes we get disappointed in that process because you have to trust people and you try to work them through it. But in reference to my own weakness, I'm so focused that if I walk in a room and there are 100 things that are right and the 101 thing that is wrong is a picture is tilted, guess what I see? And my staff messes with me. I'm serious. They'll do it deliberately. They'll come in and just move stuff around all over my desk. And I got grandkids that do the same thing. But grandkids get a pass. You know what I mean? And so I'm so focused 
that while that's a strength, it's also has a, it also has a weakness built into it. And here it is. I'm on my way to go and do something. I'm so focused on this task that it's not that I ignore people on each side of me as I'm moving this direction. Sometimes I don't see them. Because I'm focused on, I'm looking, I'm absorbed on that. And I've had to teach myself during the years, walk slowly through the crowd because I love people and they matter to me. And I know that if I'm in a hurry, that what ends up happening is that people will feel like they didn't have value in my eyes. And I want to set the record straight. If you ever see me just purposely moving towards something and it looks like I just walked right by you, please give me grace and say, hey, pastor, because I'm locked in. I've got, you know, I'm like one of those smart bombs. I'm guided toward a target. And I confess to you that that has a weakness. And the the key to changing your season might, and no doubt, oftentimes is related to discerning and then confronting your weakness. And that's really important. And that there, the reason for that is, is because the higher you are elevated by God, the more visible your strengths become. But guess what else becomes more visible? Your weaknesses. And it's like this bottle of water. Back in the old days, we had these massive pulpits where you could basically, basically hide behind one. But here I got this little thing, so you're going to see this anyway. But pretend it was one of those big ones, solid. And so you don't see this bottle, but when I bring it up here, you see the top of it. And I bring it up here, and the higher I elevate it, the more visible it becomes. And that's good and bad. It elevates and makes visible the strengths, but it elevates and makes visible the weaknesses. And our God loves us so much that you know what God will do? Oftentimes, we don't move into our season because God is saying, there's something I want you to fix because I'm about to thrust you into a place of prominence and impact. And I don't want that to end up causing you to be misunderstood or allowing that to undo what I'm doing as a work of grace in your life. Can somebody just shout and say, I got it. Would you do that? And it may very well be that the key to changing your season is getting rid of a negative attitude. Because there are very many people, it's their attitude that's wrong. They don't think about, you know, uh, the positives. It's always, how am I going to look if this goes bad? And will this expose me? And to change your attitude, you got to ditch all that kind of self-talk. you got to ditch the focus being you. You've got to make the focus the kingdom of God and your family and others. You can't just, every time you pass a mirror, it's got to be about somebody else or a cause that's bigger than you are. Can I once again get somebody to witness the truth of the gospel here today? So... The key to someone, and I'm I'm talking to somebody like that right now. Right now. The key to changing your season is to change your attitude. Let me move forward just a little bit with that. And there are all these giveaways and and tales and signs that let you know where someone is coming from. We all have issues. But hopefully God's grace 
helps us grow through those. And I'll talk a little bit about that in just two minutes here. But you know what happens? Have you ever noticed some people can never compliment someone else that's above them? You know why they can't? Because if they compliment that person, it reinforces, you're good, I'm down here. In their mind, and they don't realize you, your tail is, is informing us where you're at. Oh, I, I'm really helping somebody right now. I'm talking to husbands and wives in this building. And you need to listen. There are other people that for the life of them cannot say two words, I'm sorry. I thought I'd get a better response than that. Oh, don't worry. I've been out this long enough to know why I didn't. The person sitting right here. No, I'm not talking about you. And no, I didn't get a phone call this past week. But when you can't say, I'm sorry, what it means is your self-esteem is wrapped up in your importance of, and significance in terms of how people perceive you. And, and it would be better to just say, I'm sorry. Make, that, make those two words the easiest words you ever say in your life. Look at somebody and say, I'm sorry. Now, if they tell you, I agree, then we have a problem, okay? And I'll tell you how to deal with that. Just learn to say, I'm sorry. God's in the details. Amen. And you've got to replace negative thinking and programming by deleting all that old software. Get rid of it. Ditch it. Throw it out. And begin to replace negative self-talk with this kind of talk. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I am a born again, blood washed child of God on my way to heaven. God loves me. Good things are going to happen in my life. And just before I get done, often weakness is the result of injury, hurt. Or disappointment inflicted by others, sometimes intentionally, sometimes unintentionally. Because hurting people hurt people, as we've always heard all of our lives. But in Mephibosheth's case, that wasn't really what was going on. His daddy was Jonathan, David's best friend. His granddad was Saul. Jonathan and Saul were killed together on the battlefield. And they brought news to the palace. And Jonathan's little bitty guy... His little son being held by his nanny. Word came into the palace and she got up startled and started running and dropped him. And his legs were broken and they were never knitted back together correctly. There's even indication in scripture. It talks about dressing his wounds that bones probably punctured through the skin. And it was amazing. It was amazing. He was able to survive and live. Because they would talk later in, in years after that happened. He grew up. They were still dressing his, his wounds. And they didn't have a way to fix it. They didn't know about surgery back then. But the point is, he didn't do it to himself. Somebody else did it to him. The nanny dropped him. Who am I talking to in this house that has been dropped? Who in this building were younger and somebody wounded you and hurt you and you're still dressing wounds now years later. 
I'm going to stop and let somebody catch up with me. Come on and give God a praise break in this house. Broken in ways that we can't see. Or maybe it happened as an adult. A relationship fell apart. Somebody betrayed you that you trusted. Did something wrong. Well, I've got a word for you. The king, David, after Saul had died and David became king of the United Kingdom. He called and he said, is there anybody left of the house of Saul that I can show kindness to them? That's the heart of our heavenly father. To show kindness. And they said, there's one person. His name is Mephibosheth. And David said, go get him. They said, he's lame. Go get him. And they brought him in to King David. And David said, from now on, you're going to live in the palace. And you're going to put your legs under the table of my provision. You got to hear what I'm saying. Because on that table were the provisions of a king. Who am I talking to right now? God wants to hide your weakness under his grace. Hallelujah. Oh my God. I want to give somebody hope today. You could not see Mephibosheth's woundedness because it was hidden under the provision of grace. And on that table were force multipliers. You know what that is? That's something that when you use it, kicks up its ability and strength to another dimension. He had to deal with weakness, but on the table, there is grace greater than your weakness. On the table, there is anointing greater than your weakness. You're not hearing me yet. There's some force multipliers on the table. You can't fix it, but God's grace and his anointing can fix some things in your life that you are not seeing. You're hiding. And Paul said, I glory in the fact that I've got weaknesses. And I'm done. There was a man on the way to Jericho. And Jesus told about him and he was attacked and wounded by thieves. And he was left for dead on the side of the road. And here comes the church. And they pass by on the other side. And here comes a preacher and he passes by on the other side. And here comes Sister Brown. She passes by on the other side. And Brother Davis or Henry or you name it. Oh, somebody said, "Uh oh, did I just call a family name? I hope not. Amen. But the Samaritan stopped and he was a stranger. And there was a stranger that came into our world and he found you broken down on the side of the road where you could not complete your life's journey. And the church may pass you by and religion may pass you by, but I wanna tell you about one that always stops. And his name is Jesus and he's here today in this house to stop where you are. Mm. Oh, can you just, can you give me just a moment? Because he stopped and he bound up his wounds. I'm talking to somebody. I want to introduce you to the man that came all the way from glory. And he's here today to bind up the brokenhearted. Hallelujah. 
Mm. He poured oil in the man's wounds. That's the Holy Spirit. And he gave him wine. The Bible said he poured wine. I get a picture of the man lying there unconscious. Or maybe he was barely alert enough to say, help, help. And Jesus, the man can't drink by himself. So Jesus pours in the wine. The oil is the anointing. The wine is joy. Who am I talking to that it's been so long since you felt joy that you can't remember the last time? If you will open up and say, here's my cup, Lord. I lift it up. He will fill you so full of the Holy Spirit that you'll leave this place today with joy unspeakable and full of glory. I'm talking to somebody. God wants to change your attitude. Hallelujah. But the story didn't stop there because the Samaritan picked the man up. Have you ever been stuck and can't get up? I know somebody who will pick you up. Put him on his own donkey and carried him down the road. The journey the man could not complete, somebody came and got him back on track toward his destination. Who am I talking to that thieves have robbed you of your purpose, laid you on the side of the road, and you can't continue your journey because you've been through a divorce or a church fracture? Or a preacher's let you down. Or somebody did something to you. And can I tell you, look beyond those on the other side of the road. And let Jesus pick you up this morning. Because what he will do is get you down the road. Hello somebody. He will help you get started again on your destination. Toward your destination. And then he said to the innkeeper. He brought him to the innkeeper. That's the real church. It's not the church where everybody is, you know, all that. He brought him to the innkeeper and he said, here, he gave him two pence, (laughs) 2,000 years. And he said, if that's not enough, when I come back, I'll take care of the rest. I got some deep pockets. If it exhausts all of that, there's more where that came from. If you don't have enough grace, there's more grace where that came from. You don't have enough joy, there's more joy where that... Oh, I I think right now I'm talking to somebody in this building and I need to tell you if you need a miracle, he's got this. He's a miracle worker. If you need a breakthrough, he's got this. He is the way maker. Hallelujah. If you need healing, he is Jehovah Rapha. He is the Lord that heals. He's got this. If you need strength, he's the God of more than enough. He's got this. Stand with me. We've been experiencing this in our own family recently. About three or four Sundays ago, one of my granddaughters was baptized. All of my grandchildren have served the Lord all of their life except for one. And that was because at the age of 13, she went to her best friend's home, a business lady. And everybody thought these were wonderful people. And I'm not here to disparage their character. 
But all I know is the mama opened the kitchen cabinet and took out some drugs and gave it to my granddaughter and her own daughter. And it started, she was, turned out to be a drug addict. And it started a cycle of drug addiction. And Michaela, baby, are you here today? Yeah, there she is. Can I tell that story? She waved her hand. She just got baptized the other day. Amen. She's OD'd more times than we have fingers on our hands. I'm talking about chest compression ODs. I'm talking about Norcan. I'm talking about 911 trips to the hospital. I'm talking about, we almost lost her a number of times. But you know what? While Satan had her broken down on the side of the road, there was somebody coming down the road. Somebody coming down the road. I feel God in this place. Somebody ought to give God some praise for their children. They're coming back. Your grandkids are coming back. Your husband will get his act together. Amen. And I finished preaching last Sunday, and that's why I started with where I was talking about trust. And I went out and I visited with folk in the lobby and came back through the receptionist office. And there's a library area and a table and chairs. And when I walked by, there was Michaela by herself. And she had her Bible open and a notepad. And I looked and I saw it was the text I'd preached from that day. And she was making notes from the sermon. And she told uh, uh, someone, I don't know who it was, they told me in the family, she feels like she's so far behind because she lost 12 or 13 years of her life. But you're going to catch up. You're going to catch up. And don't be surprised where that takes you in the kingdom of God either. Don't be surprised. Don't you be surprised at what your kids do. Don't you be surprised at what God does in you. You may be broken, disgusted right now, but I'm talking to somebody that God specializes in working with people who acknowledge their weakness. And I'll say this. I have another granddaughter. And she struggled. She was went through a lot of trauma and pain, went off to university and just like some of our kids have done, connected with the wrong group to, she didn't even know what, where the door was for a while in terms of her own destiny and future and identity and, and moved out of the, the state and, and she just moved back home. And she's on fire for God and working with a youth group. I mean, the young people, young adults, I'll get it right in a minute. Um, they've had her speak twice. Somebody told me she hit the ball so hard it still hadn't landed yet. God's going to use people. Hello, somebody. God's going to use people. Use people. And this is, there's a name for it in Japanese. When you break something, you don't throw the pieces away. You collect them. And there's an art form called kintsugi. And they take the broken pieces to a master craftsman. And he puts gold between the broken pieces. 
and it's more valuable after it's broken than it was before. Painfully broken, but beautifully restored. Can somebody put a hand over their heart and say painfully broken, but beautifully restored? Every head bowed. Could I see the hands of those in this building who will say, that's me, pastor. I need Jesus to be the goal that puts me back together. Raise your hands right where you are. Need to give my life to God. Come on. Hands all over the building. Keep raising them. At home. Okay. Let me pray. And we're going to pray today and this will begin your journey. But it doesn't stop here. You go ahead. You'll be filled with the Holy Spirit. Baptized in water. To follow the commands of our Lord in his name. Become a Bible-believing student. Disciple. Father, I pray right now that you will touch every person who is in this building and that you will deal with their hearts. But those who raised their hands a while ago and said, I need the Lord. I'm broken. I've got some pieces in my life that don't fit together. I was dropped. I was damaged. Or maybe I did it to myself. But I need God. I want you to hear those cries and I want you to save the people who have acknowledged their need of you. I want you to write their name in the book of life and let that process begin right now. Right now. And we acknowledge you as Lord and we thank you and give you praise. I feel like we ought to have a party. Come on, somebody, let's give. Come on, I can't hear you. Let's have a party. And if you're here today and you've got broken pieces, they keep popping up all over, don't they? They affect you. You got out of that last marriage, but now it's affecting this one. It doesn't have to be relational, it doesn't have to be drug addiction, it could be all kinds of things. How many in this building would just throw up their hands? And this tells you, not me. This will tell you if you're really willing to work toward the process of recovery. Because to be healed, you've got to confess it to yourself, admit it, and then confront it. So who will lift up a hand and say, that's me. I've got some brokenness in me. I'm raising both mine. Y'all see that? I'll raise one foot too. That's me. I've got some brokenness. This altar is open. There is healing available. Come right now from across the building. I want to pray with you. Every one of those of you that raised your hands that want to see recovery, that want to see healing, that want to see growth, that want to move beyond those things, come on right now. Let's open it up and let the Holy Spirit work in it. Young people, don't live with it the rest of your life. Mom and dad, don't live with it the rest of your life. Amen. Come, come, let's pray. Hallelujah. Keep moving forward. There are a lot of people behind you. You're never gonna let me down. You're never gonna, you're never gonna. He's not done with me yet. That's what he said. Never. Never gonna let me down. Never. Keep coming. 
Anybody want to get healed? Anger? Bitterness? Come, press in close. Press in close. Father, I want to pray right now for the many, many people who are in this altar. And we open the brokenness in our own lives up to the presence of the Holy Spirit, to the healing power that's in you. I want you to heal the preacher that's in this room right now that was broken because of a marriage situation. I'm speaking right now. If you are that person, you don't, nobody told me a thing. I just feel it in the Holy Spirit. Whoever the preacher is that was broken in a marriage situation, heal that person right now. Heal that person. Whoever the, the woman is that was betrayed, the man that was betrayed in a relationship that crushed them, Whoever is in this room right now, that it goes much further back than that, all the way to having to grow up in a home that was broken or something that happened that they've never even shared with anyone. I'm asking you right now, I want you to move and bring healing. Now put your hand over your heart. That's where the gold is going to begin to piece the pieces back together. That's where it starts, right there, where your hand is. Your heart. I want you to teach people to trust again, Lord. To believe again. I'm asking you to deliver people who are here today who are in the bondage They're serving you. They're Christians. But they're struggling with a secret, private problem that's so profound that it just, it's beating up on them. I want you to set them free. I want you to give them grace. I want you to give them grace. God's talking to somebody right now. Just open your heart. There are people that are broken that are in this altar that God is dealing with right now. You want to worship, but you lift your hands. And when you lift your hands, it's like he'll receive the worship from somebody else, but you're not so sure about you. I want to lift all of that in the name of Jesus. 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 Minister healing. Minister healing. The past is so far behind you. This is a word to somebody. Stop looking in the rearview mirror. It's behind you. It's not in front of you. It's behind you. You are not who you used to be. If I can say it like this, you never were. God called you somebody else all the time. The devil was telling you that you were this. You're not. I need somebody to begin to praise God because you are delivered. You are healed. Come on, worship, worship. Give God some praise in this house. Break every chain. Break every chain.
I love you. God bless you in Jesus' name.